welcome. Thank you for joining us here at ICGC Caris Temple Podcast. Pastor Prince Nyako is the head pastor of ICGC Caris Temple, serving under the leadership of Dr. Mentor Otabel. Pastor Prince is a dynamic preacher of God's unadulterated word, characterized with a strong prophetic insight and prayer ministry. He is a strong advocate for discipline and order in the body of Christ, with messages centered on fasting, holiness, prayer, and integrity. And now, to today's message. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to sit under your feet to hear your word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that by your spirit, you will take absolute control over this place. We pray that as your word is coming, Lord, may it be seeds that will be sown in our life and motivate us to accomplish great things in life. I am praying in the name of Jesus that as a vessel you will speak through me to your people. Let the words that I speak be in accordance with your will, that it shall be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Please kindly take your seats. Now tonight we are going to continue our topic on motivation. Last week we started with it and... We talked about what motivation was. We talked about how motivation was the drive or the intent with which you do something in life. And we talked about certain people in the Bible who were able to accomplish great things based on certain things that they were motivated by. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Joshua. We talked about Caleb. And we saw how these people were motivated by various things to be able to accomplish many things in life. And we, we also talked last week about certain things that can be a source of demotivation, can cause us to lose our motivation. We talked about um, procrastination, where we keep postponing things. We talked about doubt, not believing in who you are and the capabilities that God has put in you. We talked about having a false impression of who you are. And we talked about settling with good enough rather than pursuing excellent things. Now, today we are going to push further. Tell yourself you are going to push further. We are going to push further into motivation. Now, when we talk about motivation, in life, your level of determination to achieve certain things will depend largely on how motivated you are. And what will motivate you will depend on what you are pursuing, what you are looking at, or what you are focusing on. So I remember last week I mentioned things like being motivated by the word of God or being motivated by something that you have heard or something that you have seen that is so honorable, that is so praiseworthy. I also talked about the fact that You can be motivated by the assurance that God is with you. Those are things that as Christians we have been called to be motivated by. It is not um, the things that we are supposed to be motivated by. They are supposed to guide us. They are supposed to be our driving force. The word of God, who we are in Christ, our capabilities, and the fact that God is with us. The assurance that he is with us and so we are able to accomplish things. Now, today, I want you to ask yourself a question before we go further on. That if you had all the money in this world, for example, let's say, see, Ronaldo is earning a large amount of money in a particular week. 
Imagine that you were earning that same amount of money every single day of your life. Imagine that you had all the health that you, you have. You are so strong, bubbly, you're able to go about your day in and out without any restrictions. Imagine that everything was at your back and your core. You had everything at your disposal. What would be the one thing that you would want to achieve or the one thing that you want to be noted for? And I want you to think big. I want you to think wide. It might look so impossible, but I want you to imagine that thing. Take some time and imagine what you would have wanted to accomplish if you had everything at your disposal, all the money, all the good health, all the, all the, um, the resources that could help you to achieve something. I want you to write it down if you have a pen or a paper by you. It could be that you want to be a president. You want to be the secretary general, um, the UN secretary general. You want to build hospitals. You want to build churches. You want to feed the poor. You want to build um, orphanages, hospitals in the rural areas. Whatever it is that can come to your mind, no matter how um, big, no matter how gargantuan it might look in your eyes, I want you to imagine it. Now, when you look at all these things that you have imagined, I want you to now ask yourself, looking at where you are now in life, is this something that is possible? Is this something that you can attain? Is this something that you can achieve? Now, when you look at it, when you look at your situation now, it might look like something that is so impossible. Because when you, let's say you want to be um, um, the UN Secretary General, but where you are now, probably you studied um, a course like nursing, you are wondering how you can achieve something like that. But you see, there are different perspectives by which we can look at things. When you read Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, and I would like us to turn our Bibles to it. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, the NLT version. And it says, Jesus looked at them intensely and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. That means that there are two different perspectives that are being looked at here. We are looking at the perspective of humans and we are looking at the perspective of God. Now, the perspective of God is what we must look at and concentrate on and let it be our guide to, the, uh, to our drive or to our push in life. It should be the motivation that we must have towards achieving everything that we dream or imagine or envisage ourselves to be in the future. It is when you see things or you are motivated based on God's perspective that your motivation is considered to be a godly one. When we talk about ungodly motivation, it's not necessarily motivation that is leads to sin. But any form of motivation that is not stemmed from what God sees you to be cannot push you to be who God has purposed you to be. It is not godly because that is not how God sees it. That is not where God believes that you can attain or you can achieve. Now, when you look at the man um, Gideon, for example, in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, in the book of Judges chapter 6, when you go to the verse 12, we see a man Gideon here, who was, um, he was an Israelite. And in, at that time, the people of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites. And because of how they were being tormented so much, they were hiding to do things. They were hiding in caves and in mountains. 
And a time came where Gideon was threshing wheat and he was hiding and doing it. That was so much of somebody who was a coward, someone who was very fearsome because he was afraid of what would happen to him or that the people would come and take the wheat away from him. So he was behaving in a cowardly manner. And then in the verse 12, we see an angel approaching him and saying, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Or when you read the King James Version, it says the mighty man of valor. So that means that even though he saw himself as a coward, all other people that were standing far back would see him as a coward. God was seeing him differently. God was seeing him as a mighty man of valor, somebody who was capable of fighting in battles and being able to win. A man who was capable, a man who was strong, a man who was mighty. He was not seeing himself that way, but God was seeing him differently. And sometimes in life, we might see ourselves differently from how God is seeing us. Our perception of ourselves may be based on our surroundings, based on things that people have said to us. Maybe in a way that somebody looked at you, there are times that somebody can look at you and make you feel so less, so insignificant, so incapable of achieving anything in life. Sometimes somebody can tell you something that can make you feel that you will not amount to anything in life. But that is not the perception that God has for us. Tonight, God is telling us that we, you are a, a son or a daughter. You are a man or a woman of valor. You are a hero. You are somebody who has been called to achieve great things in life like Gideon did. God being with you, you are somebody who is supposed to fight battles and win and succeed for people to look up to, for people to point their hands to and say that in future they will aspire to be like you. So whatever perception that you might have of yourself, that is not in line with God's word. That is not in line with God's perception of you. Consider it to be an, um, an ungodly one. Rather, be motivated in life based on what God has said. And when you are motivated by that, that motivation is considered to be a godly motivation. Amen. Now, there are certain factors that as Christians can help us to be motivated in life. And we are going to go through a few of them this evening. The first thing we would like to talk about is your character. Now, when we talk about your character, we are talking about your personality. We are talking about your mental and moral qualities, which are distinct to you. And so, we can say that somebody is, has a proud character. That means he's somebody that thinks highly of himself. He looks down upon on, on the people that are around him. We can say that somebody has an aggressive character. That means that the person is not patient. The person it can be very rude. The person can be so abusive. The person can show so much aggressiveness that it puts people off. So your character sort of defines who you are. It's, and it's defined by your behavior, the way you think, the way you go about things. And this character is molded in us based on our values. And when we talk about values, we are talking about the things that you prioritize in life. So let's say that you are a Christian. You are somebody who values your relationship with God. And because you value your relationship with God so much, you spend time to study the word of God. You spend time to pray. You realize that because of your value, that the value that you have, for the relationship that you have with God, that you want to maintain and nurture and grow, you tend to allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in you. You're able to avail yourself to him for him to bear his fruits in you. So you develop a godly character. And that godly character 
can be a platform for you to get, get so much revelation of who God has called you to be, who God, what God has deposited in you, what you stand for as a Christian, and based on that, be motivated to be able to achieve so many things. Now, we are, I want us to go through certain scriptures that will help us to know some of these revelations, some of these scriptures that talks about who God has called us to be. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If we cannot turn our Bibles to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I would like us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 19, verse 1 Corinthians. Sorry, I think this scripture is enough. So you realize that the moment that you become um, a Christian, you are now a new creature. You are a different person. You are now, born, you are now a child of God. You are no more spiritually, you have been birthed into the family of Christ. Now, you, when you look at the new person, your newness, the, the, the new status in which you have been placed, you understand that you are now of somebody who is a creator. God, when you look at the world, for example, when you look at the things that he has created, the magnificence, the beauty of his creation, when you look at the sea, when you look at the mountains, when you look at human beings, how the human being is even formed, when you look at animals, how trees grow, when you look at the sky, you, you see that um, God is, is he's a mighty God. He's an awesome creator. His works are beautiful. They are magnificent. They are things that are beautiful to behold. So when you understand that you are a new creator in Christ, you now know that the person that you now belong to, the person of which you now are, is somebody who is creative. He is somebody who is able to transform. He created the world out of nothing. And out of nothing, he created something beautiful. So that means that that same nature of Christ is in you. You have the ability to be able to create something big, something beautiful, something awesome, something magnificent out of nothing, out where there seems to be chaos or out where there seems to be no life. You have the ability to bring life into it because that is the new status that you have been placed in. The fact that you are now of Christ means that you have his nature in him. You have the ability to bring healing. Where there is sickness, where there is death, you have the ability to bring life. Where there is hopelessness, you have the ability to bring hope to that situation. When you have a revelation or understanding of that status, that newness that you have in you, based on the fact that you are in Christ, it must motivate you to approach things in life in that manner. That when you go to a place where there is darkness, you are the light that has come. And so be motivated to make things become brighter. You are not supposed to sit with the people and complain about the darkness, but rather be motivated to bring light to that darkness. When you go to a place where there is hopelessness, do not sit there and lament with the people that this situation is hopeless. Like the way some people can go about talking about Ghana's economy. And people keep complaining. But every day we see people studying econ economics. And they do their masters in economics. And they do PhD in economics. Some of them go out and they get first class in, um, in schools like Harvard. Now when you have all these things, you must not be sitting down with people and saying the economy is bad. 
sit down and think of policies that can help the nation also to come out of the state that it is in. Wherever you see a situation that is not right, just like how God was able to create something beautiful, was able to create life where there was darkness, was able to create, bring hope where there was hopelessness, you also have that ability, you have that innate, innate power to be able to bring that transformation in the name of Jesus. Now, when you read the book of Matthew chapter 15 verse 14, there was a time that the disciples were approached by a man whose son was possessed by a demon. And because of that, the, the boy was convulsing, was having seizures. And the disciples were not able to drive the demon out. And so they took the child to Jesus. And they told Jesus, that, the man told Jesus that his disciples were not able to do it. And Jesus said that, oh, how long will you continue to be faithless? That means that he realized that after being with them for some time, he had deposited something in them that, had, that could make them, give them the ability to cast out the demon. But they did not. They did not use the power. They did not use the potential that he had deposited in them. And in the same way, he was disappointed in them. And that is how God can be disappointed in us. When we are not motivated by who we are, our newness in Christ, being a new creature in Christ, is not only about salvation, where you come and sit in church and listen to the word of God and go, no. But in you is something that has the ability to transform like the God that you have been called into. It is the, it is in, you, is the, um, in you is the power and the grace to be able to make things beautiful out of an ugly situation. Amen. Now, when you read John chapter 15, verse 16, I'd like us to turn to John chapter 15, verse 16 as well. The Bible says that, I'd like us to read the NLT version. It says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Again, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So you realize that when you become a Christian, an appointment is given. Just like how you go to a company and when you join the company, you are given an appointment letter and you are given a job description telling you this and this and this is what you are supposed to do. And we hope that by doing these things, you'll be able to accomplish these th um, certain things. Now, by being given that appointment, you are motivated to work to achieve something for the company. In the same way, when you become a Christian, the Bible says that you have been appointed to go and produce lasting fruit. Not just fruit, but lasting fruit. So that means that you have not been called to a life of idleness. You have not been called to a life of unproductiveness. But you have been called to a life where you are supposed to work. You are supposed to till the land. You are supposed to plant. You are supposed to um, sow. You are supposed to water it. You are supposed to weed around it and ensure that a fruit grow. And a fruit growing means that it is some, it's a fruit that is going to bear fruit. Um, seeds that you are going to plant again that will continue on so that it will be something that will last, something that will not end. That means that there is a process also involved. It is not something that happens overnight. And so with the character of patience, with the character of perseverance, with the character of endurance, you are expected to work hard to achieve things in life. You should not be idle and say that as for me, I don't know what I have really been called to do. Whatever you find yourself doing, it is an opportunity. It is an appointment for you to work there to produce food. And not just produce food, but you must produce food that will, that will last. 
that would transcend generations. You must not do things that concerns only you and your family. That will not benefit only you and yourself or just your immediate family. But you are looking at things that can transcend your boundaries, things that others will benefit of, things that others will look back and thank you for, because that is what you have been called to. You have been given an appointment, an appointment to bear fruit, fruits of righteousness. Fruits can become... Um, be likened to the work of your hands. What are you yielding? What harvest are you yielding in the work that you are doing? As a church worker, the work that you are doing, what fruits are you producing out of it? Is it something that is lasting? Is you, are you working in such a way that people will see and give their lives to Christ and out of it they will also go and win souls? That is a lasting fruit. Something that you'll be remembered by. I, when you are constructing, are you constructing, are you motivated to construct and build things that will last or a few um, a storm will come and it will blow it away and it will not stand anymore. When you do that, you are not producing food that will last. And so you are not keeping to the appointment that you have been called to. But tonight as Christians, I want to, you to have at the back of your mind that you have been given an appointment. And that appointment is that bare fruit. You must yield a harvest. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you find yourself doing, something must come out of it. If something is not coming out of it, you must endure, you must keep pushing, and you must make sure that at the end of the day, something comes out in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'd like us to turn our Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says that now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God, had made, God has made you his heir. That means that you are no more considered to be a slave by God. And when you look at slaves, slaves are people who have boundaries. They are in a form of bondage. They cannot do things freely. They cannot do the, anything, um, things that they just want to do. They cannot just get up and say, I am going here or I am doing this. They do things at the beck and call of their masters. But today, God is telling you that the moment you came into me, the moment you became my child, you became my daughter, you are no more considered to be a slave. I have given you liberty, liberty to dream big, liberty to imagine things, imagine, have great visions in life, not to be mediocre, not to think things that concerns only your immediate environment, but to think of things that can transcend boundaries, that can break boundaries around you. You are not supposed to have that mentality that unless somebody tells me to do this, that is when I will do. Or unless somebody pushes me, that is when I will be pushed to move on to achieve something. But have that understanding that as much as you have been called to be a son or a daughter of God, you have been called into a life of liberty, a liberty of mind, a liberty that must motivate you as a Christian to imagine great things, to think of great things, to have big dreams, to have big visions in life. And with that big vision, strive to attain it. Because being a son or a daughter of God means that he is going to give you the support. He is going to give you all that you need to be able to achieve this. You are not a slave that you might have to beg for it. But seeing that you need it, he will give you what it takes to be able to achieve it. But all that he expects from you is that you are not, um, you are not, you do not let your situation or your surroundings surrounding cause you to be in bondage or to limit what you think or imagine. But rather, you must go outside the box. 
Do not restrict yourself to only what you see around you, but imagine yourself affecting the world globally. When you imagine a big, when you dream big, when you see yourself affecting nations, that is when God, as your father, is able to give you the support, is able to give you the push to be able to achieve it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the other scripture I would like us to read that gives us a revelation of who we are is in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And the Bible says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, when you look at this scripture, you see that God has called each and every one into a life of purpose. We were not created or called to be Christians just to fill space, just to come and be added to the number. But we have been called to an assignment. There is something that has been specifically been um, ordained for you to fulfill. There is a mandate that you have over your life, and you are expected to fulfill that mandate. There is something that you are supposed to achieve, and you are supposed to work towards it. You must have that understanding, and with that understanding, it makes you work in wisdom, in that you realize that you don't have to go about life carelessly. You don't have to make decisions that are careless in nature. For example, you are a young man, you understand that you have, been, you, have, you have a purposeful life. You have been called to fulfill an assignment. The lives of many people depend on you. A generation depends on you. Your family depends on you. The friends around you depend on you. The church is depending on you. With that mindset, you work about making wise decisions towards achieving that purpose. And so if you know that you are supposed to be here at this time, you make the effort to be there at that time. You do not just live your life anyhow. You don't go about drinking or abusing drugs or chasing women or doing things that can truncate the purpose for which God has called you. You have been called to a life of purpose and that understanding must be established in you. When you have that understanding, when you have that revelation, it will motivate you to see life, life in a whole different way. A lot of people that we see in life who walk about aimlessly, who when they hear that something is happening here and quickly they are following, whether it will lead to their death or whether it will lead to their downfall, they don't care, they are just following here and there, anything that they hear they are following. Such people are living aimless life. When you are living a purposeful life, when you are called, somebody comes telling you that let us go and pursue this. You can tell the person that this is what I aim to achieve in life. This is what I am pursuing. I have something ahead of me. And if I follow it, it will derail me from my purpose. You are able to say no to it. You know that it is something that can draw you back in life or will not help you to fulfill purpose. But when you don't have this personal revelation that you are called, you have a purpose. God has called you to a life of purpose. Anything goes for you. Anybody can use you any way, anyhow, to accomplish their purpose because you don't seem to have any aim in life. But I believe that as Christians, God has called us to have that understanding, have that revelation that you have been called to a life of purpose. You have been called to fulfill an assignment. And with that, let it motivate you to make wise decisions and not careless ones. Amen. Now, I would like us to turn our Bibles also to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. 
Romans 8 verse 1 says that, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So another revelation or understanding that you must have as a Christian that must motivate you is that you, do, you are no more seen condemned in the sight of God. The moment you come to Christ, you are a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. So it doesn't matter the mistakes that you made in the past. The blood of Jesus has wiped it away. He says he takes our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. So that means that he does not have a record of it. He blots it out completely. So it doesn't matter what you did that you are so ashamed of. It doesn't matter what you did that you look at back to and you put your head down in shame and you think that when people see you, that is what they see written on your forehead. That is not how God sees you. He says that there is no condemnation for those who belong to him. God does not condemn you. He is not going around calling you guilty, guilty, guilty. If you have that condemnation within you, it is not of Christ. It is of the devil. It is the devil trying to put you down so that you will not be motivated to achieve anything in life. Rather, accept what God has told you tonight, that he no longer condemns you. If there is anybody in your life who keeps reminding you of your past, who keeps reminding you of the things that you did before, that you know now you have turned over a new leaf. So my dad, when they see you now doing the right thing, they're able to turn to somebody and say, hey, in their soul, oh, yeah, sure, sir, what's this? Look in their face and tell them, truly, I am a new person. And focus on what God has said about you and be motivated to achieve whatever it is, whatever vision that is before you. There are some people who have made themselves the devil. When you read Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible talks about the devil being the accuser of the brethren. And I pray for us all that none of us shall be accusers of the brethren. We shall not turn ourselves into the devil. Because sometimes as Christians, we can turn ourselves into devils. Where we go about reminding people of what others did. Sometimes we see, uh, we, we, we go and evangelize. Somebody goes and speaks to a soul. The person is converted. The person now comes to church. Only for another person in the church to see the person and be telling others that, do you know this person? Do you know what he used to do? Who are you? You have turned yourself into the devil. You have become an accuser of the brethren. And I pray that the Lord will deliver us from such, if any of us is in such. Do not let such people derail you or cause you to lose your motivation in life. Rather, focus on what God has said about you. In all the, when you read Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the Bible says that, yeah, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And you have that victorious life. You are able to conquer those obstacles. Whatever the, the obstacles are in pursuing your new life in Christ, know that you are victorious. In Christ Jesus, you'll be able to attain it. Amen. Amen. Now, the next thing that we'll talk about is dreams. Number two. The second thing that can motivate us as Christians are our dreams. And I'd like us to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. And it says that, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. The verse 14 again. It says, I press on to reach the end of the race 
and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is Paul talking to the church in Philippians. And you realize that Paul was a man who had a dream. He had a vision. He was pressing on to receive a heavenly prize, something that was from God, something that only God, only God could give him. And because of that, his eyes were so fixed on it that it didn't matter what he went through. He went through shipwrecks. He was whipped several times. He was beaten several times. There were times that he was left for dead. He was arrested several times. He had to stand trial. In spite of all these persecutions, the Bible says that he pressed on. He said, I have a goal. I have something that I am trying to attain. And because of that, that is where my focus is. That is where my attention is. Your dreams, your aspirations, what you are focusing on is one of the godly things, one of the things that can motivate you as a Christian. And the question I want to ask you is, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What are you thinking of? What do you want to achieve? Like Paul, let that thing motivate you. Fix your eyes on those things and go through the tribulations. Go through the trials. Overcome the obstacles. Stretch yourself. It is difficult stretching yourself, especially when sometimes you come to your limit and you don't seem to know how you can move on. But keep stretching. Paul kept on stretching. When he was left for dead, when he was thrown over the city wall, he got up and he continued the journey. Keep walking. Keep running. Keep pursuing. And like Paul, a time will come where you'll be able to achieve your goal. It is not far away because God is with you. When you are trying to achieve your goals also, um, achieve your vision or your dream in life, there are certain things that I want you to know. That you must also set goals in achieving that vision or that dream. Those are short-term goals that you, you pursue to be able to achieve the big thing that you have in mind. So, for example, if you want to lose, let's say you want to lose weight and you've been told that you should skip, you should, do, you should use the skipping rope, you should skip a thousand times. Now, you can't just get up one day in the morning and you say that I am going to skip a thousand times. Something like that is, 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 is suicidal. It's something that you might, you might finish. You, in fact, I don't think you'll be able to attain it. You must set goals for yourself. You must decide that, okay, this week, let me start with, let's say, 100 skips. Then the following week, okay, by the end of the week, I should have gone to 200, 300. Then the following week, you go to 500. Then you go gradually. So you realize that you are building momentum. And so you are able to get to the final goal. When sometimes you set goals, I'm not talking about dreams. Your vision is there. Your dream is there. What you want to attain is there. But the goals that you set in achieving it should be realistic. It should be something that is achievable. And in achieving it, it will motivate you to achieve another goal, which is higher than the first one that you set for yourself. When you do not do it that way, you can be demotivated. Because you will think that, what you have decided to attain for yourself is unreachable because you are trying to attempt something big so fast at the beginning. And something like that can break you down. It can be a source of demotivation with, for you. But you must set realistic goals in stretching yourself. Stretch yourself with short-term goals that are realistic, that are attainable, and that will motivate you to achieve better goals. Amen. And so as Christians, I don't know whatever it is that you are pursuing now. It can be in your academics, it can be in your marriage, it can be in your business, it can be at your workplace. Set daily goals. When you get up today, what are the things that I want to achieve at the end of the day? 
at the end of the week, what do I want to achieve? At the end of the month, what do I want to see done? And then at the end of the year, what do I want to see accomplished? When you do it that way, you see that there is a drive. But when you say that you want to achieve it at the end of the year, if you don't take care, you keep procrastinating. It is like the way some of us have decided that, let's say this year, we're going to win 10 souls for Christ. If you decide that you are winning 10 souls for Christ, and you don't decide that, okay, let me split it over the month. At least every month, let me try and um, get one soul for Christ. And you, you, you might move on to November and realize that you have only one month more to be able to achieve that goal that you set for yourself at the beginning of the year. Because you did not set short-term goals that seem achievable. You put pressure on yourself and then you do something that in a, in a rushed way and so you are not able to get something quality out of it. But purpose that you will set short-term goals in achieving the vision, in achieving the dreams that you have in your life. Amen. The other thing that can also serve as a source of motivation as Christians is your calling. Is your calling. Now, for us as Christians, every one of us have a calling. And that calling becomes the mandate that God has called us to fulfill or to accomplish in life. And so when you read the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, I would like us to turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says that, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And this one, we see the man Jeremiah here. You see that he was a man who had come to the realization that there was a call of God upon his life. Now, this call came upon him right from when he was conceived in his mother's womb. Now, he's an adult. He has come to an understanding. God has told him about it. And just like how God was telling Jeremiah about it, that is what I am also doing right now. I am informing you that you also have a calling upon your life. God has also called you to a group of people. God has also called you to fulfill an assignment. God has also called you to impact generations. Just like how he had been called as a prophet, his life was linked to nations. His life was linked to several people. So is your life linked to several people. And the callings of God are diverse. They are different. And sometimes when we talk about their calling, sometimes we think about something so big. We are thinking about people who have been called to be prophets or called to be evangelists. But your calling can be based on the position that you find yourself in. So for instance, if you are as a, a husband here, you have, you have put yourself in the calling of a husband. So that means that whatever responsibility, whatever goes with that calling, you must be ready to be able to fulfill it. You must be motivated to fulfill it. In that, a husband has been called to nurture, to take care of his home, to be the leader in his home, spiritually, socially, physically, you are supposed to fend for them. You are supposed to set good examples for them. As a husband, you are supposed to take care of your wife. You are supposed to nurture her. You are supposed to cleanse her by the, um, nurture her by the cleansing of the word. All those things are mandates that come with your calling of being a husband, something that you have put yourself in by reason of the vows that you, you, you declared when you came to stand before the altar. So it is expected of you that 
motivated by this calling that you are now in, you will work hard towards making the best out of it, becoming the best in that particular calling that you have been called to. If you are a wife if, or you are a student here, the fact that you are now a student means that you have put yourself in that calling. And so you must prove yourself as a student by studying hard. You must not just see that, call yourself, I'm a student, I'm a student. And we do not see any good thing come out of you being a student. In that you do not study, you do not take your book seriously. That means that you have a position, you have been called to it, but you are failing at it. You, I hope you are getting what I'm trying to say. Being a calling comes with a responsibility that you must be motivated to achieve. You must be motivated to be able to fulfill those responsibilities. If you are here and you are a manager in a company, you have not just been called to be called manager, manager, boss, boss. And so you go about swollen-headed, I'm the boss around here, I'm the manager around here, so everybody that comes in there must bow to you. No, it is something that is coming as a calling, with a responsibility, and you must be able to rise up to it and fulfill that calling. What are you supposed to do? You are a leader, and so you are supposed to nurture the people, you are supposed to build them up, so that in future, what you are doing now, they will also be capable of doing but the question you must ask yourself is, are you able to fulfill that calling wherever you find yourself? If you are working at your workplace and you are managing people, are you speaking words that build them? Are you speaking words that encourage them to aspire to be like you? Or you are speaking words that leave them frustrated? Are you speaking words that will cause them to be motivated or aspire to achieve great things in life? Or you are speaking words, or you are doing things that demotivates them, that frustrates them so much that their people go home and then they, they, they don't even make, they are not ready to even face their family because they came with so much frustration from the house. And they feel like they have to pass by their drinking bar to drown their sorrow and forget about you before they go home. I remember I used to work at a place where the, the boss could be so, I know, he could be so aggressive and sometimes speak words that were so demeaning that. I remember one manager, he was, he was a gentleman. He came into the company so full of enthusiasm, so full, vibrant. And one day, he, 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 at a point, he had to leave. And when he was going, he said one thing. He said that this man has succeeded in breaking me. I have, my spirit is crushed. And I feel like I cannot amount to anything. And I realized that the words he kept hearing, the way that he was being looked at by the boss, it had brought him to the point where he felt incapable of achieving anything. And so, in as much as he had been given a calling to banish that guy to be able to accomplish something, a man that was so full of energy, so full of life, who could do so many things, he had rather managed in breaking their spirit. And so he did not see the opportunity that he had as a calling, but he, he just saw it as a position that he could lord over people. And I want us to see everywhere that we find ourselves in life as a calling. When we see it as a calling, we strive, we are motivated to work hard, to be the best that we can be at that place. If you don't see it that way, you will do anything anyhow. You will feel comfortable and you will not be able to achieve much. When you are a church worker and you see yourself as, you see it as a calling, let's say an usher, you understand that by being an usher, by bringing people in, letting them sit at the right place, smiling with them, there are ways that you can draw people to God. It is not just a work that you have just been given a church to do, so you are doing it like a zombie. 
you people come in, you smile, you just give them a plastic smile, then you put it, like you just make your face straight again, sit here, then you move to the next person, yes, move on. You see that there is no life in what you are doing. You don't see it as an opportunity, as a calling that God is giving you to minister the gospel to people by your actions, by the way you are treating them. Wherever you find yourself, even as a friend, being a friend to someone is a calling in that you are an avenue for that person to seek advice. What kind of advice are you giving to that person? Is it a godly one? Is it something that the person will receive and the person will be motivated or encouraged to go and do something great with his life? Or is it something that the person will receive and will go back and go and break his family because of what you have told him? When you see every stage you are or every position you find yourself in as a calling in your life, you'll be able to achieve or it will motivate you to work hard towards it and achieve something meaningful. Amen. A good example of this is the woman Esther. When you go to Esther chapter 4, if we can turn our Bibles to Esther chapter 4. And the Bible says that when Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. Let's go to the next. Sorry, Esther chapter 4. Let's go to the verse 14. And this was a message that Mordecai was giving to Esther. Realize that Esther was Mordecai's cousin. And um, there was a, a pageant where the king was trying to look for a new queen. And then Mordecai made Esther go and take part. And out of it, um, Esther became the new queen. Now, when Esther went, Esther became, I believe, comfortable. Things were going well for her. And you can imagine somebody whose parents were dead, staying with an uncle. Probably the uncle wasn't all that rich. But now she finds herself where she has so many servants at her beck and call, everything was luxurious for her. And because of that position that she had attained, probably she got so comfortable that she forgot when a time came for her to act, that this was an opportunity that was given by God for her to deliver her country, um, her, the people of um, the Jews at that time. It was a calling that had been placed upon her life at that point, but she was losing focus. She was forgetting that it was for a purpose for which she had been sent there. And so we read in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, when Mordecai was speaking to her, he said that if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. He says if you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And beloved, I believe that wherever you have found yourself, you were brought there for such a time like this. I don't know whatever it is that is going there that seems rotten. I don't know whatever is going there that does not seem pleasant. Maybe you find yourself in a family and you are the only Christian there. God is calling you to be the light there. That out of you, many other people in your family will come and encounter the light of God. You are the intercessor that God has called them. Maybe you are coming from a, a, a background of poverty. You have been given an opportunity to be exposed, to go to school. You are the one 
who is to be the trailblazer to draw other people also to be educated? Maybe not to the level that you even got to, but further than where you reach. Wherever you find yourself, see it as a calling for you to make a change. See it as a calling for you to make a difference. The Bible says that when Esther rose up and she decided to go on a fast, I mean something, something that she knew was possible, death which seemed so possible, which was so glaring in her eyes. When she took that step, God delivered her from that. And she was able to deliver the Jews out of the calamity that was coming out of them. And out of it, we see that her cousin, Mordecai, was also lifted up to take the position that the, their enemy was already taking. So we realized that out of rising up, out of not keeping quiet. And some of us, we are keeping so much quiet. We see things going wrong around us and we don't care. Quietness, not necessarily in the sense that you are not talking. Quietness in the sense that you are not going to do anything about it. Because maybe it doesn't affect you directly. Know that as it goes on further and further and deeper and deeper, a time will come. It is going to affect you and it will affect you negatively. Anytime you find yourself in a place where there is decadence, anytime you find yourself in a place where there seems to be chaos, know that you are the one who has been brought there to bring the peace. Rise up in prayer, in word, in declaration, in your actions, in your decision making, and be the change there. Like Esther, you have been called for such a time like this. Do not sit down. When you have that at the back of, you, at the back of your mind, you are motivated wherever you find yourself. You cannot go to a place and say that, oh, no. Those who truly at the end of the day, they will not be recognized for anything. And when they are applauding people, you will not be among those who are applauded. Those that are applauded are the ones who rise up to the occasion when the occasion rises. And so be purposeful in your life. Put it at the back of your mind that there is a calling upon your life. And with that calling, wherever you find yourself, you rise up to that occasion. Amen. I would like us to be on our feet and enter into a time of prayer. Amen. First of all, I would like us to pray and thank God for his word. I want to pray and thank God that tonight he has spoken words into our hearts, words that will motivate us to make great accomplishments in your life. I to thank God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bless your holy name for today. We thank you for an opportunity like this. We thank you, O oh God. On your word that has come to us, we thank you, oh God, that as we fellowship with you, Father, we will have a deeper revelation of who we are. Father, we are praying in the name of Jesus that makes us have an understanding that we have bought, been bought with a price. We have been bought to become sons and daughters of Christ with your blood. And by that understanding, we are praying that we will not bind ourselves with the shackles. We will not, we will not be bound by, or we will not be restrained in our thinking, but rather we we will dream big. We will imagine big things. We will accomplish great things for you. We are praying in the name of Jesus that we will understand that we have been called to bear fruit. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will bear fruits that are abide. We will not just bear fruits that will last for only a short period today and will not be seen tomorrow. But pray, we are praying to God that tonight we will all bear fruits that will abide. Fruits that will be a blessing from generation to generation. Lift up your 
voice and pray. Mabosa kandaria balababosa. Me babo she kandaria balababosa kandaria ba. Manda babo she kandaria balababosa kandaria ba. Me bola babosa kandaria balaba. You are praying that tonight you have a deeper fellowship with God, and out of that fellowship with God. You have an understanding of who you are in the name of Jesus. You are praying that you will have a creative mindset. You have the mindset of being a changer. You have the mindset of being a transformer. You have the mindset of being a light in the midst of any darkness that you find yourself. You are praying to God that you understand that you have you have been called to a purpose in life. Pray, asking God that you have that deep understanding that there is an assignment for you to fulfill. That there is something that you have been purposed to do here on this earth and by his grace you are going to achieve it pray to God that you will not fail him on this assignment pray to God that you will not fail in your calling over your life pray to God that wherever you find yourself you will fulfill purpose pray to him that wherever you find yourself you will not be comfortable but wherever the occasion needs wherever it is needed you will be able to rise to it and you will be able to make a change in the name of Jesus pray to God that you will not live in condemnation for anything that you have done in the past that anything that you did that seems to be haunting you that seems to be condemning you tonight you are praying that you will have that assurance you will have that deeper revelation that Christ no more condemns you that anybody that condemns you has no right to that your ears will be inclined to what God is saying to you not rather than naysayers in the name of Jesus you are praying to God that like Paul you will pursue the dreams that you have ahead of you and you will pursue it you will stretch yourself you are praying to God that like Paul it doesn't matter the obstacles that you face it doesn't matter the mountains you face you are praying to God that you will stretch yourself and overcome it in the name of Jesus you are praying that God will by his spirit will help you to set good goals for yourself will set goals realistic goals that will enable you to achieve your visions in life in Jesus name my boy shan't in Jesus name we pray with thanksgiving amen I'd like us to kindly take our seats The message you just listened to is from ICGC Karis Temple. To connect with us, you can like our page on Facebook at ICGC Karis Temple or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ICGC Karis. We would like to hear of how God is blessing you through this podcast. To support this podcast, please click on the profile button and click on support. Thank you and God richly bless you.